our road to walk then and now, is copyright protected. It may not be used or sampled without the owner's written permission. Welcome to Our Road to Walk, Then and Now, a podcast brought to you from Warren County, North Carolina. It's known as the birthplace of the environmental justice movement. I'm Deborah Ferruccio. And I'm Ken Ferruccio. In our last episode, we shared with our listeners how there were rumors that the proposed PCB landfill site in Afton might be used as an ongoing dump, not just for PCBs, but also for other chemicals. The rumor was confirmed in the county's August 16, 1979, legal complaint against the state aimed at stopping the sale of the land for the PCB dump. The complaint stated, and I quote, The plaintiff, the county, is informed and believes that the defendants, the state, have undisclosed future plans to use this tract of land as a principal dumping site for large quantities of other highly toxic and dangerous chemicals. Actually, these plans should not have surprised citizens, considering that state industrial developers had been working with Waste Management Incorporated and with local officials to locate a multi-state hazardous waste landfill in Warren County on 500 acres of land owned by Governor Hunt's Warren County campaign manager. However, Waste Management Incorporated had withdrawn its plans in late December 1978 when public sentiment vehemently opposed both the PCB landfill and the proposed 500-acre multi-state hazardous waste landfill. Naturally, the Hunt administration may have decided to consider an alternate hazardous waste landfill plan, even though Governor Hunt had told Warren County delegates that the state could include in the deed to the property provisions that the site would be used only for the roadside PCBs. In our last episode, our listeners also learned that Governor Hunt had gone to Washington, D.C. in early 1979 to secure federal funds to contribute to a regional wastewater treatment plant in Warren County in exchange for the state taking on portions of Soul City. What plans might the Hunt administration have had for Soul City, which had the potential to be a flourishing industrial park with more than $14 million already invested in infrastructure, in roads and sewage pipes? On June 4, 1979, the EPA had approved the Afton site for the PCB landfill. Then, just over three weeks later, on June 28, 1979, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, decided to end its support for the Soul City New Community Project. Now, in September, Governor Hunt was soliciting federal funds for the regional wastewater treatment plant with a state takeover of portions of Soul City. The question we left our listeners at the end of our last episode was, what were Governor Hunt's interests in Soul City, the regional wastewater treatment plant, and the Afton site as a possible site for large quantities of toxic chemicals? As we asked ourselves these questions back in September 1979, we received inside information from two reliable local sources. The information concerned an alleged connection that was in the planning stages between Seoul City and the Afton PCB landfill site. According to the sources, the reason the federal government wanted the state government to control portions of Seoul City was that Seoul City was being targeted for industrial production and the Afton site was to include the storage of industrial waste in addition to the PCBs. This alleged Soul City-Afton connection, according to the sources, was part of a regional industrial strategy which targeted Warren County as the center. In addition to waste, which would be generated by industrial production at Soul City, other waste would be shipped to Soul City by rail. 
The sources said that near the railhead, which was then under construction at Seoul City, and which we have a photograph of, would be two large basins, one for municipal sewage and the other for chemical waste. So the Afton site would be the foothold for an expanding hazardous waste disposal operation. These basins would feed into the main sewage line. By the use of cutoff and bypass valves, municipal waste would go to the Warren County Wastewater Treatment Plant, and the chemical waste would end up at the Afton site. We'll be including in our website documents the original sketch of this alleged Afton Soul City connection. The probability of this plan was considered very high by Warren County Concerned Citizens Committee members. We knew that the county's civil complaint had stated that the county was informed and believed that the state had undisclosed plans to use the Afton tract of land as a principal dumping site for large quantities of other highly toxic and dangerous chemicals. What's more, Charles Hayes, the past county manager and the past president of the North Carolina Industrial Development Association, had stated to Mary Hinton, Sylvia, and to Ken and me outside the courthouse after a commissioner's meeting that Seoul City was potentially the best industrial park in North Carolina. On Monday, September 10, 1979, I called Mary Hinton's car and told her I'd received information concerning an alleged Seoul City Afton connection. She said that I must release this information to the public. I asked her to confer with other committee members and citizens and get a consensus. She agreed. Later that day, Mary Hinton called back and said the consensus was to release the information. So I called the Associated Press, and I said that I received news concerning the alleged connection between Seoul City and the Warren County site at Afton, and that I would give this news to the county commissioners on Tuesday evening at the courthouse where a special meeting had been scheduled to discuss PCB and other issues. On Tuesday morning, September 11, 1979, the news media reported that Governor Hunt had left for Washington to meet with President Carter and that the governor's purpose was to ask the president to get HUD to remove all restrictions on the $926,000 grant for the industrial sewage treatment plant for Warren County. On Tuesday night, I addressed the commissioners, concerned citizens, and the news media and related the information as I had received it. On Wednesday morning, September 12, WRAL Action News Channel 5 Television landed a helicopter in Nick Williams' soybean field adjacent to our cabin. News reporter Layla Tavette emerged from the helicopter and then interviewed me. She wanted to know why I'd been fighting so long and hard against the state's PCB plan. I told her that Dr. Malkai's report had convinced Warren County citizens and me that the plan wouldn't work in the long run. Then she asked me to explain the alleged Seoul City Afton connection as it had been told to me, and I did. That night, on Action News 5, we witnessed several related pieces of news in the following sequence. In the first piece of news, Governor Hunt related that he'd gone to Washington to try to see to it that there would be no strings attached to the grant for the wastewater treatment plant. Next came news that according to the EPA, the alleged Seoul City Afton connection would violate EPA regulations at the time. Then, Chairman of the Warren County Board of Commissioners Jack Harris appeared on the television screen saying he'd heard about the connection but didn't know if there was any validity to it or not. Finally, the news showed me explaining to reporter Layla Tavette the alleged Seoul City Afton connection. The next day, I received more information which had already been publicly disclosed, 
but which we had not considered in relation to the Afton PCB site. The first piece of information was that prior to the EPA's approval of the Warren County site for PCB disposal, the EPA had given the county a $1.2 million grant for part of a $4.6 million regional wastewater treatment plant. The EPA had, therefore, not only shown an industrial bias, but during the approval of the site, had surely been unable to render an impartial decision because of a conflict of interest. The second piece of information was that a Warren County businessman close to the Hunt administration had, within the past two years, offered to sell some of its land for storage of nuclear waste. I now saw that the whole picture of what we were seeing could be presented to the public through the irony implicit in the phrase, in good faith. So I wrote the following letter to the editor titled, In Good Faith Question, which was published in the Warren Record and in the Henderson Daily Dispatch. I'm reading only parts of my lengthy letter that are especially relevant to this episode and to where we are today, facing existential and catastrophic climate change realities. To the editor, Warren County's legal action against the state addresses the unsuitability of Afton's soil and the shallowness of groundwater for disposal of PCBs. This is a good beginning. In the spring of 1978, Waste Management Incorporated ruled out Warren County as a potential location for chemical landfills after testing Warren County soil and the shallowness of water tables. After the EPA announced on December 18, 1978, in its Federal Register, its plans to change and drop hazardous waste disposal standards and regulations, the Waste Management Incorporated expressed a revived interest in Warren County. University of Maryland soil scientist Dr. Charles Malkai hired by Warren County citizens concerned about PCBs, determined from his testing of soils and distances to groundwater at the Afton site that the site was unsuitable and could not be made suitable with landfill engineering. Consequently, from both the scientific and legal point of view, EPA's approval of the Warren County site would seem to be arbitrary and capricious based on whim. In fact, the EPA's Federal Register, December 18, 1979, Part 4, is in essence a tedious confession of the many unknowns involved in the management and disposal of chemical waste. For example, the section entitled Landfills on a page designated by numbers 58989 begins, The agency recognizes that the state of the art for predicting discharges or releases from a landfill is poor. And on the same page, EPA admits that it is not aware of any method to determine what release rates would be acceptable, nor can it predict how long hazardous waste in a landfill will remain hazardous. Those attending EPA public hearings and information meetings are becoming increasingly aware of EPA vocabulary filled with such words as believes and such phrases as in good faith. Since crucial aspects of landfills are unpredictable, and since without predictability there can be no scientific justification, a vocabulary of faith is infiltrating a vocabulary of science. EPA is basing its site selection criteria for hazardous waste landfills on probabilities and theories without empirical, real-life, in-the-field data to justify its decisions, depending instead on uncertainties that they subjectively characterize as, quote, 
not posing unreasonable risks, unquote. This way, when the landfill fails, they will be able to say that they did the best they could with the knowledge they had at the time. They were in good faith. But EPA knows better, and new regulations are becoming flexible in order to legalize just about any waste disposal site, safe or not, whether it's for toxic, hazardous, or radioactive waste. What's more, doesn't it make sense that since there presently exist two nuclear reactors in North Carolina, several under construction, and several more planned, the radioactive waste is going to have to find a convenient home where the population is dispersed and the voting power most insignificant. I ended my letter with a quotation from an October 1977 article I had written while working as a writer and photographer for the Warren Record. Speaking at Warrington National Guard Armory, Governor Hunt discussed the economic advantages for North Carolina and said, When I talk to industrial leaders and tell them how people are scattered all over this state, they think it's an advantage because this dispersal makes for better workers and citizens. Governor Hunt might just as well have said that North Carolina's dispersed rural population and Warren County's conveniently located dispersed small population were the perfect political fit for the production and disposal of chemicals known to be destructive to public health and the environment. Less people would be impacted, less votes would be sacrificed. Ken's in-good-faith letter was both discouraging and alarming to many citizens in Warren and Vance counties. The idea of using sparsely populated rural communities to bury chemicals and radioactive waste had folks really thinking. People felt that if the state's plan was as comprehensive as recent information suggested, then Warren County didn't have a chance. EPA, governmental, and industrial officials had already spent too much time and money setting things up to be dissuaded from their goal, which apparently seemed to be to make Warren County a center for industrial production and waste storage. These officials were not, it seemed to us, about to let a few legal technicalities or loud public sentiment stand in their way. We had now arrived at what appeared to be the valley forge of our fight against the state. Ken decided that somehow he had to boost the morale of the troops. He decided the best way to go about this would be to show a brighter picture, to show that we had a much stronger case than that which met the technical eye, that in fact, fundamental constitutional issues had been raised and that the case was far more complex than it appeared to be on the surface. Ken decided that he would rally the troops once again with a spirited discussion of some of these constitutional issues in a way that would revive the revolutionary spirit of Warren County that was celebrating its bicentennial year. As usual, Ken's vehicle of communication was the Warren Record, where he wrote a letter to the editor that was published on Thursday, October 11, 1979. In the letter, Ken used the cart-before-the-horse metaphor to describe how the state had bought the Afton property before it conducted an environmental impact assessment of the site and of the state's plan, which clearly showed that Governor Hunt could care less about how the PCB landfill would likely impact the county. Ken said that the Afton plan would expose Warren County to the inevitability of extermination and that the plan violated the spirit and content of the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, which emerged partly out of the human suffering and sorrow caused by Nazi Germany's World War II extermination policies. 
Ken concluded his letter with two whimsical but serious questions pertaining to the possible motives behind the midnight roadside PCB dumpings, the Afton dump site, and Governor Hunt. He wanted to get his readers thinking. Did Humpty Dumpty get a dump to dump? Or did Humpty Dumpty dump to get a dump? In trying to write the script for this episode, as has been the case in most of our episodes so far, We've relied largely on Ken's closely documented narrative of the early PCB history. It's called Toxic Aggression, Fighting on the Front Lines, the North Carolina PCB Saga. It's written from documents and transcribed recordings and from primary source knowledge of what was going on. For this episode, we also found relevant information in Thomas Healy's book titled Soul City, Race, Equality, and the Lost Dream of an American Utopia. Healy describes Soul City as one of the most ambitious and high-profile projects to emerge from the civil rights era. What we found as we read Healy's account of Soul City and noted key events and when they were happening was that we could line up these events and dates with events and dates related to the PCB landfill. A parallel time frame emerged that seemed to connect the two histories at different points. In the timeline that we've put together from our analysis, we found more than 50 seemingly related PCB and Soul City events and entry dates. We'll be sharing this timeline with listeners who want to know more about the specifics of the possible connections between the state's interest in Soul City, the regional waste sewage plant, and the Warren County Afton plan for the PCBs and potentially other toxic chemicals. After nearly a decade of relentless effort, McKissick's dream for Soul City ended on June 28, 1979, when HUD officials told him in person that HUD had decided to pull the plug on the Soul City project. In his book, Soul City, Healy explores the many factors that resulted in the failure of McKissick's dream for Soul City. How racism, political opposition, and the lack of needed resources and support of the federal government, especially for much-needed wastewater sewage capability, in part doomed the Utopian project. However, author Healy does not bring up any PCB-related events that were occurring in 1978 to 1980, as Mr. McKissick, to the end, desperately attempted to attract industry to Soul City. How might Governor Hunt's plans to bury PCBs and other waste in Warren County have factored into Mr. McKissick's hopes and plans for Soul City? Did Governor Hunt wait for HUD to end its support of Soul City and then go to Washington, D.C. to ask President Carter for backing for the very wastewater treatment plant that could have saved Soul City? What did President Carter know? Now that HUD was out of the picture, what was the president's interest in the federal government allocating $926,000 for the Warren County Regional Wastewater Treatment Plant? How might the federal government benefit from lifting restrictions on the $926,000 of federal monies? And why would these monies be contingent on the state of North Carolina taking over portions of Soul City? What if the state took over portions of Soul City and then planned to make McKissick's Industrial Park into a mecca for chemical and waste industries looking for a sparsely populated community, one that was already politically and economically tied to the government? These are just some of the questions that we have and that Mr. McKissick may have had as he watched the politics of funding play out in 1979 as he watched his dream for Soul City come crashing down. What did Mr. McKissick know? 
Were there behind-the-scenes restrictions keeping him from helping Warren County citizens stop the PCB landfill? Could the Soul City community he envisioned ever be compatible with chemical industries and disposal? If Mr. McKissick had spoken publicly against the PCB landfill, would HUD authorities have withdrawn their support even earlier? What about the EPA's decision to allocate $1.2 million toward the proposed $4.6 million regional wastewater plant in Warren County and the agency's decision to approve the Afton site based on an in-good-faith determination that the state's plan for the site would not pose an unreasonable risk? Was Mr. McKissick compromised by the process, or might he have been sabotaged and betrayed? Such questions may never be answered. Please join us next time as we continue to share with our listeners our documented account of the building of the environmental justice movement. Thanks for listening.